You're listening to the B Fox and B Frank show. Week 10 is in the books, and so with it is Tennessee's perfect season. We have to start here. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the Vols, of course, light in the world on fire to start the season. Big win over Alabama. A couple other big wins that have aged wonderfully, especially the one over LSU. Kentucky, uh, the week before this one, but unable to beat Georgia at Georgia. Georgia just sending a reminder to all of us, they are the defending national champions, and they are still pretty darn good at football. Uh, really the the first team to have any kind of success against this Tennessee attack. And, I mean, they were able to keep the Vols offense down for the vast majority of this game. Yeah, self-inflicted wounds for sure for Tennessee. So many false start penalties back-to-back in, in a very crucial point in this game. Uh, with the chance for Tennessee to get back in the ball game in the first half, third and two inside the ten, back to back play. They're back to back, not even snaps, just setups for a play. Uh, get offensive linemen moving early, move it back to third and twelve, and then from there they have to kick a field goal instead of uh, cutting into the lead a little more. And it was over from there. Um, Georgia looked great offensively. Stetson Bennett was airing it out. They they used the run game well against a Tennessee run defense that is one of the best in the country, 130 yards on the day, three and a half yards of carry. Turnovers didn't really play too big a part in this game. Tennessee had the early fumble recovery, had a chance to to strike first. They only got a field goal. They were 2 of 14 on third down. The offensive line, but really both lines, got absolutely dominated by Georgia. And this was just a reminder that Georgia is – that good and they are the best team yeah i mean great football teams build out from the trenches and georgia certainly has other good players but you're right they are very very good in the trenches uh, mm-hmm. a great way to make hendon hooker a lot less effective you know tennessee likes to go down the field if you give him less time to do that receivers aren't going to be open down the field he was pressured on over a third of his dropbacks in this game which is just not a recipe for success at all If you're Tennessee, and conversely, Stetson Bennett was able to stand in the pocket all day. And last week was a little bit of fool's gold for Tennessee's secondary. It's been a bit of a weak spot all season, and this was kind of more of a revert to the norm. Um, There were quite a few plays from the start where Stetson Bennett was able to, to hit the deep ball, something that Georgia hasn't really done a lot this year, but was able to complete three out of his five passes that were more than 20 yards in the air, just kind of attacking that defense early and kind of putting Tennessee on its heels. Um, I mean, it's the numbers don't jump off the page for you for Stetson Bennett, but he was very effective in this game. Um, and I mean, Tennessee is just such a, a fundamentally sound team that when you look at, like you said, the self-inflicted wounds, the Tennessee had contributing to this this losing effort they're not usually going to make those mistakes themselves you just can't put yourself in that position if you're going up against the bulldogs totally and the, you know the secondary looked lost at times um and you know georgia's got a ton of good weapons uh, on the outside brock bowers only had three catches in this game and georgia wins by double digits that just tells you how much talent they have on this roster i think one of the points you brought up is is really well taken that constantly Hendon Hooker was under pressure in this game, and it, it obviously affected him in many ways, overthrowing receivers and just missing 
open guys. He had two plays specifically where he had uh, Brew McCoy and Jalen Hyatt wide open for touchdowns and just overthrew him by a couple feet. And that that can be the difference in the game. But when you're constantly under pressure, you're gonna you're gonna struggle to uh, get your timing down. And that's exactly what we saw. He was getting hit left and right. Yeah, and I mean, we're obviously recording this before the playoff rankings come out. I would think that Georgia should be the the number one team in the country. I was thinking the the winner of this game should justifiably be the number one team in the country. And I think, especially since we saw Ohio State struggle at the very tough place to play that is Ryan Field at 11 a.m. on a Saturday. Um, but yeah, this yes. was a, a big time statement from Kirby Smart and the Dogs. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, to get out ahead of it, I think there is a a clear top four at this point. It is the four undefeated teams. <laughs> Maybe that's controversial. Who knows? But we'll see. We'll see what the playoff committee does. There will be some who say that. Um, yeah, but especially like Tennessee and Oregon have only lost to Georgia. So people will start throwing those out there. Bonex not dead yet. Not dead yet. <laughs> Uh, the other big tilts in the SEC, LSU, Alabama, LSU, eking out an overtime win by one, going for two after scoring the touchdown to match Alabama in the extra frame. Yeah. A lot a lot of firsts here. First win for Brian Kelly ever over Alabama. His losses have been highly publicized. First home win for LSU over Alabama in a decade. Um, just, I mean, it's... Whoever's coaching LSU, the, the struggles against Alabama have remained. But mm-hmm. this was another game we saw of the good Jaden Daniels and, and kind of what that can do for this LSU team. Yeah, 100%. I mean, he he is a lot of their offense. They have talent at wide receiver. They have guys that can make plays. Neighbors made a couple nice catches. Butte didn't really get into the game until the second half. But when he was able to get into it, he, he made big plays. And then obviously – Mason Taylor with the big two-point conversion catch to win the game. Um, just a big frame that can get open for you. But Jaden Daniels really does it all. 32 pass attempts, 18 of the team's 34 rush attempts. Uh, had a touchdown on the ground, two through the air. This was probably the worst game we've seen Bryce Young play. And it I don't know that it's particularly close. Huge mistake early in the game trying to force a pass in the end zone. Uh, cost his team and I'm just surprised they didn't try and get Jameer Gibbs the ball more. He is such a dynamic player and such a such a difference maker on offense that it's shocking. I know they they got him more involved in the passing game with eight catches, but he should be getting 20 carries and you know five to ten receptions out of the backfield every game. Yeah, I mean that's that's definitely someone they could have gone to more, um, and it's just kind of again, emphasize that it, it's been a little bit of a down year. I mean, compared to what it's been, it's been a big down year for uh, production from Alabama's wide receiver core. Um, yeah. I mean, Gibbs is the big weapon they have offensively, um, but there's just – it's it's not the same sort of uh, cheat code that you had the, the past couple seasons where you've got multiple first rounds. Uh, right. wide receivers not that there's not talent in that room but it's just a significant drop off comparatively and also you have a game like this where the wide receivers are just not really productive uh, it's very inefficient when trying to go to them uh, so 
I mean, that, that just changes what you can do offensively. Um, and you know, it's, it's a sort of new position for Nick Saban. Like he's had plenty of good teams that struggled offensively, but kind mm-hmm. of uh, compared to the last couple of seasons, again, it's just a, a frustrating change. Um, but yeah, this is uh you're, you're certainly seeing it in Bryce Young's numbers as well. Um, just yeah. kind of compared to the, the video game numbers he's putting up the last couple of years and this year, you know, he's, he has games like this where he can't even complete 50% of his passes. Um, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's affecting everything on the offense. Uh, really. 100%. Yeah. He, he is the straw that stirs the drink. And especially like you said, when they can't rely on those high, high quality or star receivers to, to get the job done for him. We need to return to talking about our favorite program, the Texas Longhorns. Um, they are... Uh, They're back. Yeah, I was trying to think of another <laughs> word. <laughs> but in a way... They have returned. So, yeah, they're, they're back. So, like, in, in soccer parlance, I, I think we would describe them as a, a yo-yo team. You know, like, yeah. one of those teams always going back and forth between promotion and relegation. That's how Texas is, but just within the confines of the top 25. Um, you know, they were not in last week's AP top 25. The playoff committee saw otherwise. I crack jokes as I do. And then they come out and win this game over Kansas State team that had been playing well. Um, I mean, that this was a similar script that I feel like a lot of Texas games have followed this year, but this time they were fortunately able to hold on because again, they got out to a big lead up 31, 10 only end up winning 34, 27. So, you know, some second half problems certainly remain, um, but you take the win, you know, over a a ranked team that was playing really well in Kansas state. And just a a reminder that you've got a great running back. You can, uh, you can really lean on in the backfield and be John Robinson. Yeah, 30 carries, 209 yards, and a score how he should be used. I mean, that that's what you saw there, seven yards a carry. Um, Quinn Ewers with some growing pains still, 18 of 31, under 200 yards with two touchdowns, didn't turn it over uh, in the passing game. They are they have talent. I think this is more this more comes down to Kansas State switching up something that was working. Adrian Martinez gets the start, and he wasn't bad at all. 24-36 is, is a solid day for him. Two touchdowns, one interception, 329 yards. But you've got it going. Like, the, the defense struggled today, no doubt – or Saturday, excuse me, no doubt about it. I I said it pretty emphatically last week and, and previously that I think Will Howard is the guy at Kansas State. I don't think it's Adrian Martinez. I think that, that – his injury was a blessing because it showed that they have a better quarterback available. And now they go back to uh, the previously injured Martinez and, and lose a home game. Who's to say if that's the reason, but I know obviously defense needs to play better in this, this circumstance. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a, an interesting decision when, you know, you're playing probably as well as you have all season, the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. And Will Howard is a, a big part of that. Again, Adrian Martinez played pretty well. Uh, obviously, the the fumble within the last minute was the end of the game. Um, really struggled, right. seemingly. Just whenever Texas 
was just kind of locking guys up man to man. He really struggled to identify open receivers. Um, but other than that, like the, the numbers weren't bad. And I think you can, you know, live with that most weeks. Um, but mm-hmm. again, it was, it was just behind the eight ball early and just trying to drag yourself out of that hole for, you know, the entire second half and what felt like most of the game. Um, just another productive uh, day from Deuce Vaughn. So I'm, I'm not really yeah. concerned about the offense too much for Kansas State. Um, but, you know, this obviously just a, a disappointing results after you had really seemingly been building some momentum uh, the last few weeks, really going through a gauntlet of some of the better teams in the Big 12. And they had a chance to take uh, take hold of second place alone in, in the Big 12 standings, and now we've got a three-way tie with Texas, Baylor, and Kansas State. Yeah, Baylor hanging around. It's yeah. uh, be, be chaotic over the last uh, few weeks of the season to see who is going to join – um, in the conference championship game, TC is looking still there too. good. Yeah. Yeah. Kansas had a big win over Oklahoma state. Um, so staying alive there doing their darndest. Uh, so we, we appreciate that. The last game uh, was not as bad as I thought it might be. Uh, so, you know, that's, we're calling that progress. Uh, I'm Jay Morris coming in for NC state. Starting as a true freshman after coming on in relief to rally the Wolfpack to a win over Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. They beat Wake Forest 30-21. to 21. Sam Hartman's struggles continue. Three more interceptions. And, and Wake Forest is, is sliding very fast now. Yeah, big time. They are, uh, they are in trouble here. Uh, this, is a, this was a very winnable game. A very winnable game. Uh, MJ Morris played well. He played within himself, I think, is the key. 210 yards, three touchdowns, not going to pop off the page as, as anything crazy. The interceptions were killer. The lack of run game was killer. 25 carries for 17 yards is not going to cut it, no matter what conference you play in. Um, A.T. Perry continues to do big things at wide receiver, but it's it's just tough when it's seemingly – it's either Sam Hartman doesn't trust the rest of the receiving core or he just cannot find ways to get them the ball productively. Because 12 catches of 29 completed passes for A.T. Perry, and he's still got three interceptions. So something's going on there. They need to figure out the offense quick, uh, maybe take some pressure off of Sam and, and run the ball. Yeah, but I mean, that was, that was kind of what I was thinking coming in is that, you know, we really don't know what NC State's going to look like offensively. We had seen some flashes in the second half against Virginia Tech, but mm-hmm. what we did know is the Wolfpack have a, a good defense that's going to be able to keep them in some games, uh, you know, even without yeah. Devin Leary. And that's that was kind of my, my takeaway here. They just, there was at no time was there any confidence that Wake Forest was going to be able to run the ball. And that, that mm-hmm. has to change going forward as they, as they play other teams. Yeah, absolutely. Who is your big winner for week 10? Not to be boring, but it's going to be Georgia. They uh, emphatically stated that they are the best team in the country. The offensive and defensive line had huge days for the dogs. And then Stetson Bennett continuing to show that he is a highly capable quarterback at the power five level. And truthfully, like, 
no one's going to want to hear this, but it's kind of a win that Tennessee only lost by 14. Uh, they like that game seemed like it yeah. should have been. I mean, it's credit to the Tennessee that. defense because there were multiple yeah. points where it could have gotten out of hand and they, they found ways to make plays late to, to hold Georgia to field goals. Yeah. Uh, but could, could have been worse. So there's your, there's your spin zone. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Notre Dame. And uh, just okay. a real a real tough day for the haters who insist that Notre Dame just has to join a conference to be relevant. Um, you know, they've, they've been doing the half in, half out uh, thing with the, the ACC, really more half ins. They're playing five games a year, um, excluding the COVID year where they played more. And over the last five years, they're 27 and 0 against ACC opponents. Uh, so, you know, maybe the ACC isn't a real conference is what we're finding out, but thrash Clemson 35, 14, um, just staying in line with their MO this season of playing well against good teams, playing terribly against horrible teams, uh, mm-hmm. which just all kinds of sustainable. Like there are plenty of things to hate. Don't get me wrong. The the passing offense is still abysmal, even with a guy like Michael Mayer. Like, I mean, if you feel like the passing numbers when they're not targeting him, they're even worse, <laughs> but uh, two guys going over a hundred yards rushing the uh, defense just getting pressure on DJ all game, four sacks, forced him into a lot of poor throws, special teams touchdown, um, just complete and utter domination from start to finish. And when you can do that, like a uh, a stand-up guy like Dabo Sweeney, you got to gotta shout that out. So we Selfless Dabo. Yeah. All right. Uh, who is your Week 10 loser? I just went with Clemson. I was going to put Syracuse as well. It's just orange ACC teams, basically. Uh, Clemson plays horribly at Notre Dame. This is really a game they should have won and won pretty easily. Notre Dame attempted 17 forward passes. That's pretty one-dimensional offense, if you look at it. 47 rushing uh, attempts, 263 yards. And for a team that should be built on defense first, especially that defensive line, they got dominated. Like, plain and simple, they were dominated. Um, the offense couldn't get anything cooking. DJ, another interception. Klubnik, one pass. It was intercepted. Very weird situation there. Um, and yeah, just, just struggles left and right for Clemson. This is a game, again, they should have won. And then Syracuse starts off 6-0. and They've lost three straight, and they have not looked good doing it. They scored a whopping nine points last week, uh, which will not win you football games, believe it or not. Yeah, it was uh it's been it's been a rough go of it uh, the last last few weeks. I actually had an orange team too. Um I'm gonna go with Illinois. Um and bad, bad week for the orange. And by proxy the Big Ten West, because I think unquestionably Illinois is the best team in that division. They have mm-hmm. beaten Minnesota and Wisconsin. You know, obviously Purdue is kind of the the one challenger that remains. Um I guess Iowa we can say that's a that's a win but anyway clearly illinois is the team to beat in that division um and their two losses on the year are to i mean rutger is not a big 10 team so let's say the two worst teams in the big 10 east indiana and now michigan state at home uh just further underscoring the complete lack of balance in the divisions here um and, and honestly like 
Saturday was a little bit of uh, Bert getting greedy and then getting greedy in those circumstances and just the offense not being able to do anything with it. They got stopped five times on fourth downs. They were seven of 23 overall on third and fourth downs. Just could not do enough offensively. The defense had a poor game for them, um, but that means giving up 23 points, which is the the same total that Indiana scored in that victory. This is a a classic Burt team. It's like, it's, it's hard to fake any confidence in the quarterback room. You've got Chase Brown just being asked to do everything, but when, you know, you're not able to convert a lot of short yardage situations like this, can get pretty ugly and you can uh, lose at home to a very bad team. So shout out Tuck, I guess. Yeah. He, he finds a way to, to earn that paycheck every single week. And this was definitely the one it's a, it counts as a ranked win and especially on the road. Um, but yeah, this was a, a really, really bad game and look for Illinois. So we've got uh, at this time, so we're just going off the AP poll um, as it's just gonna it's just gonna be this way the rest of the season. So buckle yeah. up. That's how recording schedules work. Uh, <laughs> so starting at the the top uh, game day, TCU going to Austin to take on Texas. Little extra juice to this game now that Texas is back in the rankings and coming off a ranked win over Kansas State. TCU week in week out finding ways to stay undefeated. Who do you like in this one? I have been wrong on Texas just about every single week this year. I, I think you can look back and see me very confidently in some games pick for or against Texas and be completely and utterly wrong. So I'm going to take TCU. <laughs> and I they have been playing with fire these last few weeks. This game would not surprise me if they, if they end up losing it. Uh, Bijan Robinson obviously had a really good game last week. TCU's defense is in a very much bend-don't-break mode, and that's how they've been playing for a lot of the season. In general, they've just been playing with fire. It's a big, big, big game for the Big 12. They need TCU to win this one. It keeps them alive in the playoff race. I, I don't think a loss to Texas next necessarily knocks them out, but it does do some big damage where I can see the playoff committee putting a two-loss LSU or two-loss Alabama above a one-loss TCU. So I'm going to take TCU. I think the season really is on the line for them each and every week. Um, But they've just got the talent, the talent to do it offensively. And if Quinn Ewers struggles again, I don't know that Texas is able to overcome that. I would say a loss to Texas probably knocks them out. Um, I I think they're going to have to – completely run the table to get in because yeah, there's, there's all these other teams that they'll want to put in ahead of them. Like one loss, Oregon gets in ahead of TCU and then Mm -hmm. you've got, you know, Tennessee Tennessee. hanging around Alabama, you know, they're, they're never, they should be out of it at this point, but they're never really. Um, So just all that fun stuff to kind of keep in mind. But I think this game sets up perfectly for TCU because what is the script that we normally see from both these teams this year? Texas gets out to big leads and blows them. TCU falls behind big and comes back. So yep. based on past precedent, um, that is how this game will go. Um, I mean, certainly Sonny Dykes would prefer that, you know, we can just skip the first part, but yeah, 
I think Texas playing at home is going to lend a little credence to that being how the game uh, starts off. But I just, I, I'm having a hard time just based on what we've seen, imagining a situation that TCU is not able to come back from, um, you know, Kansas state looked so good under Will Howard um, before TCU is just able to turn it on, go full hypnotoad. And I mean, I, I'm going to, Keep thinking that the Duggan's going to be able to do that in the second half um, and and pull out a road win here. We can only hope. Now a, a battle between two of our faves. Um, we've got Bo Nix and the Oregon Ducks um, against a team that is now ranked in the AP poll, the 24th ranked Washington Huskies, Michael Penix Jr., who just knocked off a maybe surprisingly ranked Oregon State team flying uh, very far under the radar, um, but arguably nobody hotter in college football after week one than Bo Nix. Do you think that continues in this one? How do you see it shaking out? Bo Nix was really good again last week. I think that continues. The question is, Michael Penix has been up and down this year, but when he's up, he is really up, and he plays really well. When he's down, Washington is, is usually out of the game pretty fast. Can can they keep him protected, keep him from having to force the ball? The run game really does not exist if you are Washington, but they've got a couple really good receivers. I'm going to take our our dear friend Bo Nix in this game. Um, I think Washington can keep it close, but with the way he's been playing at home, defense turned it up for sure against UCLA in that home game. I think it's going to be a lot of the same in that one. Yeah, I'm with you. It just feels like Oregon can outscore anybody at this point. That might even yeah. include a team like Tennessee. Um, they've they've just been on a different level since week one. Um, I, I honestly would be, and this this might end up happening depending on how the dominoes fall, um, just seeing a, a rematch between yeah. Oregon and Georgia. I mean, obviously it would be closer uh, just because how can it not? <laughs> <You'd hope. But laughs> no pressure there. Um, but Basically, by every metric, Bo Nix has cemented himself as one of the best quarterbacks in college football this year. I love Michael Penix, uh, but you know he he started off the season very hot and has been cooling off a little bit. Kind of reverse trajectory of Bo Nix, although not as steep a decline as Bo's rise has been. Uh, mm-hmm. But I just I don't have enough faith in in Washington's defense to slow down Bo Nix and this offense at all um, to the level needed. Um, I mean, it's just, it's a daunting task. I mean, who, who would have thought we'd be here, but that's where we are. Certainly not me. Alabama fresh off that overtime loss at LSU goes back on the road. They will be traveling to the sip to take on the land train and Ole Miss, um, you know, Ole Miss only one loss on the year, but still fighting those fraudulent allegations. Who do you like here? I like Alabama. I like them because I I don't trust Jackson Dart as a, a passer at this point in the season. And I think it's pretty clear that Lane Kiffin doesn't, or at least prefers not to use him as a, a passer in their offense. Um, 
Just 216 pass attempts at a 61% completion percentage, 80 rush attempts. The running backs have a combined 288 carries in Quinshawn Judkins and Zach Evans for over 1,700 yards. Like that, that is their bread and butter running the football. Alabama is set up better to stop the run than they are the pass this year. I think we've seen that, that pretty apparently throughout the season. Um, Jaden. Jane Daniels last week did cause problems uh, as a dual threat quarterback. I think he is a better dual threat than Jackson Dart is at this point in his career. They won't necessarily need to spy him as much, but I think that Alabama gets back on track offensively. The defense locks in a little bit and you see a little more uh, pressure enforcing Mississippi, Mississippi, Ole Miss to throw. Yeah. I mean, Bo Wallace, Swag Kelly, not walking through that door. Some of those great, Ole Miss Alabama games we had close to a decade ago, which makes me yep. feel super old. But mm-hmm. I don't want to be the team that plays Nick Saban following a loss. Uh, we saw that earlier this year. Mississippi State was a sacrificial lamb, so appropriate that the other half of the Egg Bowl has to do that now. Um, and also, you know, I gave credit to AM last week. Maybe we should take a look at, uh, at Ole Miss's defense contributing to a uh, an outstanding passing performance for a third string quarterback for AM. Uh, especially especially since they went back to Haynes King last week and you know ended up losing by 17 to Florida. But that's neither here nor there. Um I'm I'm gonna go with Alabama too. I I think that the the book is out in a way on Ole Miss what they want to do offensively. Um and it it's been, you know getting progressively less and less effective over the course of the year. They are still eight and one, but mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a pretty backloaded schedule. And, and Alabama is, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be a week under Nick Saban after a loss. Like that's, that's not fun. They're, they're not going to yeah. make some of those mistakes two weeks in a row. Um, so I like Alabama to bounce back here as well. Definitely not a fun day of practice, fun week of practice down in no, Tuscaloosa. No, sir. Lastly, we are going to the American, uh, the Tulane Green Wave and the Knights of Central Florida. Battle for first in the American. Who you got? This is a very difficult game. I think Tulane's shown uh, that they can hang with a lot of teams. My problem is that UCF, I think, has gotten really... Uh, has really progressed throughout this season. I know they did just lose a couple weeks ago, but they have played just really good football of late. I'm going to take Tulane. I am not confident, as you can hear in my voice. I think this is going to be a really tight game. It should be pretty high scoring. Offense offense wins. Whoever's got the ball last is going to win this game, I think. The, the defenses don't really provide a, a lot of confidence, or they don't give me a lot of confidence. This is don't turn the ball over, just make your plays on offense, and, and the rest will come to you. I'm actually going to go at this from the opposite way. I, I have a little more confidence in Tulane's defense. And, I mean, Tulane is just a, a really frustrating team to try to evaluate because you want to hold up the win over Kansas state. You'd like, look at what this team can be. And then the very mm-hmm. next week they lose to Southern miss. You're like, all right, we have to throw that out. But yes. in, 
in AAC play, they've they have been the cream of the crop. They are the lone undefeated team um, as, as UCF and, and Cincinnati have both stumbled. And a big reason for that is just how effective their defense has been. Of course, there is not a Cincinnati defense like there was last year to fairly compare them to. Um, but, you know, this is a team that is just leading the conference in, in basically every defensive metric. And mm-hmm. that is going to be important because UCF is leading the conference in a lot of offensive metrics. Uh, they, they haven't really been involved in games like SMU Houston's ridiculous 77-63 affair. Um, but mm-hmm. Gus Plumley can put up points with the best of them. Um, you know, the the one common opponent they they have had that stands out to me, obviously, East Carolina, which UCF was not able to be competitive against. I think Tulane would be well-served to try to follow a, a similar script, um, just get the run game going as best they can, try to match what East Carolina is able to do with a guy like Keaton Mitchell um, and just kind of keep the Knights on their uh, – on their heels as well, but either way should be a fun one. Um, There's been a lot of under the radar, really good games in the American this year. There's not a, a national title contender trying to run the table, uh, you know, like a a Cincinnati or UCF back in the day. Um, But it's been a very fun conference and uh, there should be another chapter to that story. Our, Our dear friend Gus back on the main stage too. Yeah. As, as he should be. Is Auburn is trying to be like, LOL, JK, we'll, we'll hire you back. <laughs> hey, come home. Yeah. Uh, so we, we were just t- kidding. So we can tell them to kick rocks one final time. Yeah. Uh, all right. So that'll do it for this week. Next week, we will have college basketball to break down. The season is tipping off today as we're recording this. Um, you know, best team so far, I think, by a mile has to be Baylor. Just because. Yeah. They won big. Uh, so we will uh, we will break down the, the first week of basketball next week. Keep an eye on our Twitter for more players to watch in the uh, the Power Six Conference. That'll be coming out throughout the week. And please, of course, go listen to our college basketball preview episode if you have not already. The two of us will be back later this week for another edition of the Spread Option. And then, like I said, start next week. We've got football and basketball on the same show. Uh, for, I mean, a while. So that's exciting stuff. We will see you next time.